Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Iron Sights Podcast. Uh, I'm here tonight uh, with my new buddy, Mike Lee. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm so pumped to have you here, man. I'm really good. Uh, so we got together tonight. I got connected with you through a couple of buddies of ours, mutual buddies, the Cook Brothers. The Cook Boys. Yeah, the yeah. Cook Boys, man. They're, they're, <laughs> they're super good friends. They're also a good time if you... Oh, trust me. <laughs> I've um, had my fair share of experiences. <laughs> so when they said, when they said, uh, man, you got to connect with Mike because he'd be a good talk and a good conversation and uh, just a good connection, I'm like, well, let's do it. So well, here we are. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it took a little little bit for us to get in the in the room together with the scheduling the coordinating and so first things first i super appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and and share that time with me man dude i'm just happy to be here bro i'm i'm always as long as we can put on the calendar we'll make time make it happen yeah that's the calendar thing yeah that was the challenge and now we're here um so i'm gonna set this up so this is the way i'm gonna set this up and uh it basically works like this so Everybody knows somebody like this, knows somebody like Mike and Mike. And this is this, I guess, what I would say about this. At some point, you run into somebody like you're at a party, you're to get you're at a gathering and somebody introduces you much like this. This has happened. And you get connected with this guy and say, hey, man, you got to meet this guy, Mike. Cool, Mike, what's up? And the next thing you know, it's like an hour and a half later and you're still you're still just kind of chopping it up. You're having a good time. There's there's just good conversation going. And Mike seems to know everybody, right? Like everybody's Mike, what's up? You know, everybody coming into the party knows Mike, right? And Mike's connected. And it seems like, like once you leave the party, you're like, man, that guy, Mike, he was cool. Like I, I would, we, we need to hang out again. We need to chill. And when you get home, you realize, I don't even know what Mike does, but Mike seems to know everybody. Like he seems to be all in the, in the right place, all at the right times. Uh, he's got a bit of style to him. Like he, there's, there's a, uh, there's just kind of like, but there's also this mystique and, 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 and that's, that's who you are. And I think everybody can kind of relate to that at the end of today. So we're going to start to, we're going to uncover who Mike Lee is and what he's all about, man. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's so funny. So I got the nickname, the mayor of San Jose. I was like, <laughs> all, all right. right, I don't know how that happened. Cause I knew so many people. Right. Well, cheers. Before we get cheers, started, man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks again. You're welcome. This is really good. Uh, it's delicious. Yeah. It's this Clyde Mays cask barrel deliciousness. Yeah. How they recommend it. Okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, one of my really close girlfriends was like, Hey Mike, I'm gonna start calling you Bruce Wayne. And I was like, I don't want to be Batman, right? That's too much for me. It's like Bruce Wayne. So I was like, why? Because people know and they see you out doing all this stuff, politics, whatever, but no one really knows what you do at night. And I was like, all right, I guess, sure, whatever. And then the reason why I know so many people is because I'm from San Jose, right? Okay. Um, born in, well, I was born in East Bay. I was raised here in San Jose, um, local elementary school, local high school, local college. So all the people that I got to know growing up were all 
people from San Jose. So I get to be a product of my environment. That's why everyone's like, oh, Mike, like, oh, I know Mike, I know Mike, I know Mike. But the mic that people knew in high school is different than the mic that people knew in college. How so? Right. So high school mic, I was, I had the biggest glow up out of anyone like that you've ever seen in life. Okay. I used to be 140 pounds, like super nerd, like super nerd. I I ended up getting a full ride to San Jose State for some space program I did at Valley Christian. So you're academic. Yeah. Sometimes. I have a good, I have a good way with words. Okay. I'll say that. (laughs) I I have a way with words. Um, and so I ended up getting a full ride to San Jose state and that was like my people from high school know me as Michael Lee. Right. Okay. Um, and then ended up doing that. And then college is when I was kind of like, you know, when you're in college, it's the only time I realize now it's the only time in your life where you will be exposed to so many people. Mm -hmm. There is no other period of time in your adult life where you're going to have that many different people who are just down to talk to you for no fucking wait can i swear yeah of course okay for no yeah. fucking reason yeah. right so so i'm like you know what like let me take advantage of that all right so like i joined so many different groups i got to meet a lot of people i've, I've always been friendly like hey if you're a cool person you got good energy like we could talk have a conversation Let's do this yep you know uh, i don't care about your background i don't care about what you've done i don't care about what you do like let's just have a chat right I have friends that in college were selling drugs. I have friends whose families were super well off. I have friends in between who didn't do shit with their life. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's like, but I just look at, I look at everyone the same. Right. And I go, I don't care where you came from or, you know, like who, you know, and also this stuff. You're a cool person, you're a cool person. Right. And I kind of took that with me like throughout the rest of my life today. Right. So that's how I kind of learned to really get to know people. Right. And I care about people. Like, I don't care about what you do or how you do it. I just care about if you're a good person, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, because everyone has history. Everyone has fucking an experience that they went through. You know, there's, there's an agenda. It seems like there's always, an, there's always agenda. an agenda. Like, you know, the interesting part about what you're saying about San Jose, too, is there's not a lot of people grow up here and stay here. A lot of people, you know, they, they get to a certain point, like, I'm ready to get out of here, you know, and they move. And it might not be very far away, but they don't necessarily stay like in San Jose. The other part about that is there's so many people here in San Jose that move here as adults mm-hmm. professionally. Right. I mean, there's so many transplants here. I mean, it, our business here at the gym is, is much like that. We see people kind of come in and go and they're coming from not just like the surrounding area. They're coming from all over the country, but all over the world mm-hmm. too. So it's interesting when I run into somebody, cause I did most of my growing up here too. I, yeah. you know, I came here and yeah, I was about third grade, whatever that is, like eight years old. But I left and I was gone for like 15 years of my young adult life, which is where you were establishing all these relationships. And then I moved back. And it's interesting when I moved back is it was tougher to to create those relationships because of what I just said. Most of the people that I had grown up with were not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people moving in that, you know, were kind of into their professional careers and busy and family and things and obligations like that. So it's interesting like we, we, <clears throat> that you've grown up here and stayed here because it's not a super common tale in, in San Jose. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear it's, that a lot. It's interesting. I mean, there's, San Jose does have th- some things to offer, but for whatever reason, people are, people are bailing out. Well, I mean, like, you know, people, when people come to a new city, like I, I've really learned, I've got networking down to a science, and I spent a long time doing that. So I used to run Silicon Valley Young Professionals. Um, before I, before I became president, I was heavily involved in all the unprofessional groups because I just wanted to understand people, mm-hmm. right? I did this crazy social experiment on myself when I turned 21. 
So my mom's going to see this and be like, what did you do? So um, <laughs> when I was 21, I went out every single weekend, every single weekend. And I talked to like everybody, men, women, whoever, to kind of understand what, I, what kind of person I am when I talk to people, right? Because people don't take the time to explore who they are and how they communicate. And not only that, they don't take the time to experience how other people communicate towards you, right? And that comes back into play in any professional environment, whether you're in sales or um, marketing or even project management, work with people, it doesn't matter. Once you want to communicate and you understand how other people communicate, you're, you can make better decisions and you know not to overreact. You know how to you know, take things around and do it that way. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about a year. Right. So can I time out for a second? So when you say you went out every weekend, are you talking about like you went out socially, like to the, to the clubs, to to the the scene, everything. Like I did bars. I did Santana row, like hotel Valencia. All right. For those people who don't know Santana, Santana row, it's like, it's kind of the spot. Like it's it's, a spot. It's kind of the spot, the bougie spot (laughs) to say the least, to say the least, at least that's what, San Jose has to offer anyways. Literally. Yes. So, so I did that. I went out there. Um, I went out to different places in college. Like I wanted to get experience of all types of people. Got it. Right. So like I have friends that are my age, you know, 25, 26, 27. And I have friends that are like 40, 50. Right. Because I got to meet people and I just like, I don't care your age. I just, I I can Mm -hmm. learn something, you know, and I never have an agenda. I'm just like, let's have a conversation and see what happens. What was it? What, what drove this man? Because, you know, I, Look, I went to college. I actually went to San Jose State for a year. My, that was the first place I went. I went to college, went to a couple of them. And that never crossed my mind, right? So, you know, I did have an agenda. It was, it was to go to school, you know, take my classes, pass my tests, move on. There was some athletics there for a little bit, so I was focused there. It, and, and I didn't live down there. My, I lived with my folks at the time who were still here in San Jose. So I would... I would commute down and then I got to be honest, as soon as school was over, as soon as I was done with my dad, I was looking to get out. Like there was nothing down here for me in my mind. So my question is, is the social experiment at 21, even at 21, I wasn't living here anymore. I wasn't thinking like that. I was like, if I was going to the party, I was going to party. Yeah. You know, I wasn't as, I certainly wasn't that aware. So what, what's, what's driving that for you at that point in your life to think that way? Well, so, um, I, so I learned very early on that it, so actually I'll tell you exactly what it was. So my mom was like, be nice to everyone because you never know that you can meet one person that's just going to take you around the fucking world and just open you up to a whole new life experience. It's a good lesson. And so I've had, we'll talk, we'll get into it, but I've had multiple of those experiences because I've gotten to know people. Um, but I, I always did it because I always thought people were interesting. Like I've always like, wow, this is something I could learn from this person, something I could hear about. And some people are just fucking assholes. Right. And then you get to experience all aspects of people. But, but one thing that I wanted, wanted to get was I wanted to understand because a lot of us act the same as another person we've met. Like there's, there's a lot of commonalities and similarities. Mm, okay. Right. And so once you, once I was able to kind of do that social experiment and figure out what all those commonalities are, you know, my little, my little, what's called a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. Now I know how to tackle these things. Where'd it come from? I don't know. I started my first business when I was 19. So I knew it took people to kind of, you know, what was that? So my first business was it. So, um, I was doing that at Valley Christian, um, fixing computers, doing all this stuff. So high school, high school. Yeah. I was making, I was, I was making pretty decent money. I was tutoring. I used that money to buy my first card, a bunch of other stuff. So, what, so were you, 
money motivated? Is that what was driving it, or that was just kind of a a, a byproduct? Of well, the whole well, thing? well, so I'll tell you what motivated me. So, um, kind of a personal story. Um, so, growing up, um, when I was in high school, um, my parents were getting divorced, right? And like I didn't know what was going on at home. And I came home one day and they're changing the locks to my door. They were like, hey, sorry, you don't live here anymore, you know? And so as wow. a kid, I had to figure out a way of, okay, how can I provide for my family? Because my dad, that was the last time I saw my dad for like three or four years, right? And so it was me, my mom, my sister, we were like legally homeless for like almost two years. And we got, you know, I was like, you know, I could either go out and sell drugs or do something else, or I could just figure it out. Right. And figure out what skills that I have and use that to my advantage to help take care of my family. Mm-hmm. So I was busting my ass like the IT work. I was working at Cafe Rosalina of the street. Yeah, man. So, it's the breakfast dude, burrito. That, uh, spot. I was just there today. Yeah. Um, I was working at Cafe Rosalina. I was tutoring. I was doing all this stuff, trying to make as much money as I can because a, I had to pay tuition for my schooling and I had to figure out how, like, I don't want to be, homeless you know like i don't want to be living with family friends like we need to get our own space so had a really hustle bustle to figure that out so that, that's really where my drive came from like it wasn't like money is always a great factor of working hard but it's like i have to make sure my family's taken care of at the end of the day yeah that's a lot man i i've had several people sit in that chair right and talk to several people in, in my life in business and the, the, just the different experiences and relationships that i've had in all of them that are the most successful have a similar story where they, they were hungry, but literally and figuratively hungry. They had to sleep on a couch, um, you know, maybe in a car, uh, wasn't quite sure how they were going to make that rent mm-hmm. or, you know, buy that next bag of groceries or, or whatever else it is. And, you know, I, a lot of people go through life, unfortunately experiencing those things and, and, but they'll tell you it's the best thing that ever happened to them, yeah. you know, because it, it, it taught them what they didn't want. And they figured that out real early or real quick, rather than kind of wandering through life for a while. I don't know, going to college, having zero clue what you, what they want to do or what direction they have. And it, and it shaped or shaped the, the pathway for them to get out of life, what they need and what they want. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Like I wouldn't change a damn thing. Like looking back, like looking back now, I know it kind of built and molded me into who I am today. Right. And so like even going to the college thing, like so I was in school for computer engineering at San Jose State. I hated it. <laughs> it was a heart attack every semester. I still have PTSD to this day. I'll wake up like, fuck, I need to go to class. Like it's the, I graduated five years ago. Okay. And this shit still happens to me. Okay. And still having the nightmares. Yeah, I still have the nightmares. Like, I think I'm in my mom's house. I wake up. I was like, Oh shit. I don't live at home anymore. <laughs> like, you know? So, so when I was in college, I realized that like, I knew I wouldn't do engineering like for the rest of my life. Like my dad was an engineer. He worked at Cisco and I did excel something I was good at and it was paid for. So I was like, dude, what is, what is my real passion? Mm-hmm. And my passion is people, you know, yeah. everything I've done has been around people, you know? So I took advantage of that in college. I was like, all right, cool. I'm here for free. Let me just do enough to pass. Right. Scholarship. They say C's get degrees with scholarship. Like B's, C's, get, C's get degrees, you yeah. know, but, but like B's make sure you don't pay anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> so you have, you have to keep working for it. And um, that's why I took advantage of it. I was like, dude, like, let me just meet as many people as I can. You know, was there an end game for you outside of getting the degree for college? Yeah. Oh, 
honestly, I didn't want to be a hypocrite for my sister. <laughs> I got, I told Wait, her. What does that I, mean? What does that mean? So I told her she had to go to college and graduate. And like, I could have dropped out, you know? And I was just like, if I drop out, that means my sister has a reason to say that she could drop out. And I was like, let me just finish so that she could be like, all right, I have to finish too. Cause she graduates next semester. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So this is working out. I was working out. I'm not a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So we get through school. You, you, you've done this experiment on yourself. You've learned all kinds of skills, right? And I think a lot of people refer to those as like soft skills. Right. Um, I actually would refer to them maybe more as hard skills actually, mm. because those are the hardest ones to learn. Right. And they are the ones that keep people from growth. They're the people that keep people from satisfaction. Uh, and it's likely due, and I don't know this for sure, but it's because they don't have an awareness of, of how to do the things like have a basic conversation with someone that you might not agree with, or you can't get what you, you're not, there's a negotiation process, right, you know, the, right, these things, right. this is life is there's constant negotiation processes that are happening. Um, and part of that is negotiating with yourself sometimes on what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, why you're going to do it, or why you're not going to do it. Um, so you're, you're, you've got all these skills and a degree in computer engineering at the, at the end of all this, did you know when you got out what the next step was going to be for you? Um, I knew I was going to do my business full time. So, and this is the, computer yeah so business so so i took a pivot as the big big silicon valley term is pivoting um so important it's so important so like so so i was doing it work and i figured out i can never scale it to a million dollar business because i'm competing with when like walmart said you could walk in drop your computer and it's done by the time you leave i was like fuck that i'm out of this right um i still have it clients to this day but i have someone else service them and i was like cool you know but it's for me, I, I did that and I was like, you know what, let me get into website building. So I was doing website stuff, um, making pretty decent money. And then I linked up with a mentor and he's like, bro, like you can do so much more than just websites. And I was like, all right, well, what can we do? And then, so I'm, his name is Jamal Newborn. He was like, Hey bro. So have you thought about getting into print, like doing a lot of print work, graphic design and print. And then he taught me how to build a model where leveraging other people and their skill sets where I can just be the front face person. Right. The, the biggest term that I would say is like becoming a broker. Right. Okay. But you have the right team of people together and you do enough volume where things become exclusive. So it's like no one else can take my model or work with my people and do it as well as I can, because you're not going to beat out the volume I bring in. Right. So understanding that was the next step in my career. And then, um, kind of taking that money and pivoting in other things, right? Because it's 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 a it, it's a it's a high margin business, and what people don't understand it's yeah, like when I was in college, like dude, I was making money and I was like blowing it, right? Every everyone who makes going money out for the weekend. first time, yeah. you fucking blow your cash. You're <laughs> like fuck it, I would do do whatever. Shots to the entire bar, like whatever. <laughs> um, that's an actual story. We'll talk about <laughs> never. <laughs> um, and then just taking, and then so like you realize like how, how the margins that business. And then we learned to, well, I learned to kind of put that money into other things. Like, so um, we recently opened up a nail salon in Hanford, um, South of Fresno. So me and my partner in my, in my business. Um, so that's way different than San Jose. That's very, so uh, Hanford, Hanford's very rural. Very, very rural. And it's a, it's an agricultural supported town. A hundred percent. I mean, you've got really there is part of, 
America and particularly California where they're the haves and the have nots. Right. That there's, there's very little in between there. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a little bit now it's definitely grown up, but okay. So that's way different. It's yeah. I'm curious about this. The, and you so, go from doing well, marketing. Y- y- yeah. Doing marketing. And then all of a sudden now you're getting in the nail business. Well, I mean like, so an opportunity came up. Um, so my, my, my business partner in my business, um, is, he's pretty well tapped in with him and his wife. They do a lot of stuff to help people in the community. Mm -hmm. And so his wife is from Hanford and they're having a discussion about, you know, like business and doing all this stuff. And this girl goes, Hey, like I would love to open a nail salon um, in Hanford and Faisal and I, we like evaluated like her social media presence. She had 15,000 followers. Every time she opens up, she's fully booked. And like you said, the haves and the have nots. So, so him and I pulled our money together and we and we built out a place as thirty two hundred square feet. Uh, we built out a model where our it's leases, a big salon. It's huge. So we took twelve hundred square feet and we turned it into rented space for vendors. Got it. So one girl does um, waxing, like eyelashes and skincare. Yeah, like, you it's know, a one stop shop. One stop shop. But that they, they own all their stuff and they they just rent. Got and it. then inside of the salon is where you have all of our nail techs that do their thing. So you're keeping your overhead. Fairly low outside Fairly of her cost low. of materials and her cost exactly. of doing business. Exactly. Though the costs of doing business are low. Usually it's going to be the, the biggest thing is always rent. hundred percent. Right? But in Hanford, like 32 square feet, my, so my rent is less than $3,000. My lease is less than $3,000 a oh, month. That's like, you can't beat that. Yeah. It's crazy thinking you know? about what it is here. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like yeah. the same place has cost you $3 square foot. At least here. So you're looking at like 9,200, well, $9,600 a month. Like not anyone could afford to do that kind of volume. It's a lot of nails. It's a lot of nails. <laughs> it's a lot of nails. And then you got to charge like a lot of nail prices. Right. So, um, so, so that was an opportunity that came up um, with us. And we just like, like I said, him and I agree. We both like people. So we found a good person. We wanted to invest in them and support them. So there was that. Um, and then recently we moved into um, cannabis delivery and we just got our distribution license two months ago. And so with that, it was, it's, I'm the only person in the group that doesn't smoke. Like <laughs> I go, I look at it strictly from a number standpoint, it's a business opportunity, yeah. you know, I say, Hey, let's do it. You know, everyone else smokes and then they like do their thing. And I just go, I just sit there in the meetings like, Hey guys. So, so hold time out on the cannabis thing here because it's become, you know, in California, it's, it's become a bit easier to do business in that arena uh, over the last, let's say five, six years. Yeah. I don't in San Jose, particularly and I'm not that familiar. So I'm, 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 I don't mean to talk out of turn here, but my understanding is obviously there's some ordinances, there's some taxes that you've got to pay. There's some, you know, things that you have to be aware of and they've kind of crammed everybody into kind of one little area uh, used to kind of see these, these co-ops sort of all over the place. And now they're, they're within like a few blocks of one of those. Literally you walk out the door, look across the street and there's five more right over there. Um, however, there's a massive population here mm-hmm. and there's probably within that, that population, I have no idea what that is. Maybe, you know, I mean, what, what percentage, I mean, San Jose is a huge city. What percentage of our city is in the cannabis or is using or purchasing or it's super tough involved. to tell. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, kind of undercover, right? It's undercover low key. Like until you walk in, they take your ID, but I would probably say conservatively 25%. Wow. Um, of, of the San Jose Bay area. 
So, right. Do you know, do you know, you might know the answer to this. Do you know what the population here is in San Jose? Um, I wrote it down this morning. I don't know right now. We're going to have Mikey look it up because we're talking about 25%. This is, this is a lot of people. Yeah, it is. A lot of people. Yeah, it is. Are there restrictions while he's doing this? Are there restrictions on what, um, what you can and what you can't deliver? So, so it's based on, you can't deliver more than an ounce okay. to somebody per so it's, day. It's more about the amount, right. not the product. Correct. Cause I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, yep. right? Anything that you can buy in a dispensary, whether it's, um, shatter, all this other stuff, you can sell all of it, right? It's just time of day. You can't deliver anything after 10 PM and it's the amount of product unless it's medicinal. Okay. So it's really, there's, there's actually very few restrictions. I mean, well, well, that could be restrictive, right? When somebody's sitting there, the crazy part is like doing, night, the crazy part is doing advertisement. That's where things get real crazy. So, like, you can't advertise within like two miles of a school. Um, you can't you can't show flower on social media because it's still federal, uh-huh. right? Billboard ads are a little bit different. Like, you see HempCon and stuff come up, so it's like leadway. Like, people are trying to finesse it all day, but social media, it's like. Good luck. You have to really finagle it. Mikey, what's the population here, dude? 1.02 million. Yeah, as of thinking. 2019. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's a million people, man. So, yeah, so it's about 250,000. That's a lot. That's, that's a, a lot. big market. It's a lot. So, I so just, let's go back to the advertising thing. When you say like advertise within, again, like 200, 200 feet of a school or whatever else, I mean, go back to the print, the print ads and things like that. I mean, are people really using that stuff or are, what are the restrictions? Are there restrictions digitally in that sense? So digitally it's, it's totally like black mark, a black hat strategy. Got it. Right. Like if it works great, you can get shut down. Cause, cause you'll get shadow banned or exactly. switched off. Exactly. Has that increased in this last oh, year? Dude, like text message years? marketing has been insane. Like Verizon, like all these guys, they've shut down companies. to so the fact that, like I know a group that does text message marketing and they have to change their phone number that they send out like every other message that they send to somebody. Now is this 18? So let's just say it's ATT Verizon. You said, so is this Verizon doing that no, or is this the, the state? Cellular. And all is this because the, the state's putting pressure on them? Well, it's because so it comes across as like spammy. It comes across as all this other stuff. And then, okay. So you're it, falling into that bucket of people like, are shutting down the text message down market. The text it, it's not necessarily, but it's also because, Cannabis isn't federally legal, right? And a lot of these companies have a nationwide presence. Got it. So then they have to they cover their do ass. their compliance, right? So if you put anything that a mass text that says, hey, come buy some weed, you will get shut down very, very quickly. Got it. All right. So 250,000 people, how many cannabis dispensaries are there here? Um, That's a good question. I'm not in the dispensary game, but I would say in San Jose... Actually, can we just look that up? Yeah, I don't want to be actually, wrong. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so while he's doing that, so you're you're going through. So let's go back to the delivery business yeah, yeah, piece. Yeah. So this is like is this like Uber for cannabis? Yeah. So so a lot of people have heard of Weed Maps or Leafly. Um, what happens is that I may you or can, may not have heard of that. May or may not. You know, <laughs> there might be a billboard or ad, bus ad somewhere, but um, pretty much when you want to get something delivered to your house. You search for a product and then you search for companies that are delivering it. You pick one and then that person sends a driver to your location. So why haven't these dispensaries figured that part out yet? So it's a different license. So there's a different license Uh, for everything. So there's a delivery license. There's distribution license. 
There's like dispensary with like storefront uh, retail mm-hmm. license. Um, and then there's cultivation and right. then there's manufacturing. And a lot of people only got one license. Right. And some people are vertically integrated like Purple Lotus, for example, they have their delivery license or cultivation license and their storefront license. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they have a distribution license. So okay. they can't make their own products and then sell it to somebody. Interesting. Without, well, on their own, without using a distributor. They have to go through somebody, right? Through, just, just like the whole liquor game. Right. Yep. Right. Again, and so is that, I would imagine that's even, of all the places, California's probably regulating that a little tighter than a lot of others, or no? Uh, I mean, yes. maybe not in this yes. game, because... Yeah. 100% yes. So, I mean, because they want their money. Well, it's, they want, because so the tax are 30% on the products that you do um, through licensed cannabis... 30% tax, just like off the rip, right? So everything that you buy or that someone buys is 30% more, 30% plus your local tax. So 30% plus 9.25% higher than if you bought it black market. But you get the convenience of not having to do it in the bag. Like, hey, I got bro. it. I got it. I got it. But it's still like, <laughs> what a huge miss. Like okay. what a huge miss by the state from a tax perspective. If you don't charge that much and you make it a little bit easier for somebody to do business, how much more tax dollars could many more tax dollars could you collect? A hundred percent. It's 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 you can make so much more because more people are going to be like, all right, I can make more money, I can do better, I can do more. You're just driving illegal drug sales, literally, literally. And so when people, so I think San Francisco is fighting to waive that tax. Smart for their city. It's smart, right? Because what happens is that tax is waived, it kills the black market. Yeah, much. You know, yeah, it's over. Um, but the state wants to get their money, right? We figure that out. Yeah. Uh, according to potguide.com, Sweet. Uh, there's about, there's 16 dispensaries in San Jose. That's a, is that something right? Yeah. 16 dispensaries. Uh, it, honestly, in my head, I had 12. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. so you're close and they're mostly off. Like they're like, you know how they're, they're all together. Yeah, they're all grouped yeah. together. They're mostly off like Monterey. Yeah. It's cause it's the way they got them zoned. Yep. Um, every dispensary has to be in a green zone. Every transportation has to be in a green zone. And distribution has to be in a green zone. That's what they're called. Look, I'm about like, I am definitely about kind of um, organizing it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to know what's going on. And, and I would imagine for, as a business owner, um, not every dispensary, right. And I'm just thinking as a, as a business owner, just like in my business, gyms or personal training businesses or, or whatever else, not every business owner runs a really tight ship. Not every business owner is really professional. Not every business owner cares about their customers or the people that are coming in period or hanging out and around. Um, And so, but at the same time, like outside of having like some, like an area of the city or a particular place be zoned as retail or commercial, like this building is, uh, it could be the wild west out there. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good thing. I don't know, because where there's kind of, where there's, let's be honest, typically where there's drugs, there's issues. Um, but what is the reality of that given how they're regulating it now? I mean, cause to me, I never hear about issues. Like it seems like they, they are running a tight ship and I have to be honest. So here's my experience. I've been into a couple of these dispensaries here in town and when I walk in the door, I'm like, holy shit, this place is fantastic. Right. The people amazing, right. The customer service top shelf. It's like walking into a five-star hotel, right. The, the environment is amazing and the product, like product display, marketing, all that stuff is, 
is fantastic. And I've never felt uncomfortable, you know, walking in or being around them. However, they did cram them in a really shitty part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that considered, I guess what I'm saying is, is, you know, they're regulating it pretty tightly, but it seems like this could be such a, a benefit, particularly with what we know about, about cannabis just in general. So sorry, I didn't want to get too far off track there. Just trying to try to do some math here. 250,000 people, 16 dispensaries, dude, they're cleaning up. Oh, dude, like they're, they're are, cleaning up. You'd be very surprised. Like I, here, I'll do the math right now for you. I'm going to tell you one guy that I know for sure, um, just on his delivery alone, he makes about half a million dollars a month, $450,000 a month, just, just on delivery alone with an average ticket of a hundred dollars. So you can do the math. So let's talk about this. So again, now I'm wondering when I hear that, like, I don't look, if I'm a dispensary, I'm getting that license to deliver. Like I'm figuring that shit out. Cause if that's the cheese that I could be making, just getting this right. from my spot, to the customer yeah but think about the other part of this right you have you have overhead for your space right because because when you're in cannabis every commercial owner charges you way more of course than like the normal rate hey through a square foot hey you know what cannabis five dollars especially when they put it in this area i know my real estate's worth some money because if you don't take it somebody somebody else will and they'll take out a premium yeah right um and you have so with dispensaries you have to hold a lot of inventory Right. Like you have to hold an ungodly amount of inventory. Like I know people that hold a million dollars worth of inventory a month and they have to sell through it. Right. And like we look at these numbers like, cool, I'm making half a million dollars a month. But you have to look at the drivers, the overhead, the product, um, anything that may happen if someone steals There's something liability. or product disappears, yeah. like yeah. insurance. Like, like you're probably coming out of that with a pretty decent chunk of chat cash, like at least a hundred grand a month, you know potentially net or more depending on how tight you run your ship. But it's just like, dude, like you, you see these big numbers and people want to get into the game. Right. But even getting a license is tough. Right. And it's, it's a long process. And people, I talked to some guys yesterday, they said, dude, the black market is going to die soon. Right. At some point in time. So all the dudes who have made all their money in the black market, they're trying to go legal because they have all this cash and cannabis is still a cash business. Sure. Like, all my vendors ask to get paid in cash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're just yeah, I haven't, like, been, I haven't been to a dispensary where you can use a credit card. And yeah, everything <laughs> is literally, everything is yeah. cash. You're not doing Apple Pay. Exactly. Right. You're just like, all right, everything is still cash. So it's like, you know, it's it's, it's still that type of business. So so okay, so let's go to your business, the delivery business. Yeah. Right. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, three months. Okay. How many drivers do you have? As of right now, I have one workhorse. Well, yeah. technically we have three drivers. So we have three drivers, but I have one guy who's a fucking workhorse. He's just working all day long. Oh, he's just yeah. grinding. He likes he's his grinding. money. He likes his money. Yeah. And he's good. Yeah, good. So, um, all right. So what kind of volume are we talking? Like how many deliveries? Yeah, like a day. Or so, a week or a month or no, whatever. So we, it's averaged by the day. So we started three months ago. Um, as of right now, we're at about, I'd say 10 deliveries a day, right? So we're at about 10 deliveries a day. Um, and I would like to say that's pretty good. Eventually, like like guys like Purple Lotus, like 100 to 150 deliveries a day, like on average, right? Um, I would like to be at that cool, like, I would like to be at 100 deliveries a day. Why am I going to sell myself short? 100 deliveries a day, that would be great. Because uh, I'll be making, you know, that much money a month. But it's just kind of like, 
it just takes time to get there. Sure. Right? It's got to ramp it up. You have like, to ramp yeah. it up, but you're competing with the hundred delivery a day guys mm-hmm. who have an ungodly amount of money they've been making for an ungodly amount of time. And they can, as soon as you come on the radar, they can be like, Hey bro, fuck you. Right. Like, I'm gonna run the crazy special. And now you can't yeah. compete. And so how, and I imagine like if I'm, if I like my delivery driver, I'm trying to get my same driver, right? Like I don't, if you call this other business, right. And you have it delivered, you get a choice. No. So it's for the safety of the driver. Okay. So what about for yours? It's for the safety of the yeah, driver. So same, same. Everything is like it's random. My, yeah. So my biggest priority, it's like my driver's safe because like you think about it, I don't know how some people, I don't run my delivery this way, but other people do like yeah. they put a shit ton of product in that car. Yeah. <laughs> And then they move it around like a fucking ice cream truck. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then they drive around like, hey, yeah, I got everything for yeah. It's a lot of risk. Like, like you carry five grand worth of product in your car. Like, people know where your driver's going. Like, come on, dude. Like, you're going to lose your money. It's, yeah, it's opportunity. And right potentially there. your driver, right? Yeah. So, um, like, there's always compliance behind everything works. Like, all your product has to go back to your to your secure location right. wherever that is right 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 um and it's like you always have to leave from there mm. unless you have a delivery already in that area mm. so so I mean, you're trying to scale this thing up 100 100 deliveries a day you know on average or whatever what are they working on they're working on some kind of an app or something um so so typically there's there's already pre-existing apps like everyone oh, okay. who uses delivery uses the same apps pretty much right so the infrastructure is already, already there. It's just a matter of good marketing, good products, and what sets you apart from everyone else. Gotcha. So, so that's the new project. That's the new project. The new, new. That's the new, new. Someone called me and said, Mike, you want to do it? I said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, hey, let's try it. Why not? Right? Yeah. I'm like, I'm young. So let's go back. So you had, like, you just went to, walked us through a lot of interesting stuff, kind of just mindset, um, you know, connecting with people. We talked about soft, soft skills versus hard skills. Um, taking advantage of opportunity when it presents itself, uh, everything from the nail business to the cannabis business. And you'd mentioned earlier, like you've met because of the work that you've, you've done to create a network, you've, you've had lots of opportunities to do things like travel and, and meet other new people. And that's how this stuff works, right? It's yeah. those, those connection points. They just continue to happen. Tell me some of the crazy shit you've done. Okay. So this one, so are you okay? You know Fry's Electronics, of course. So I'm on the board for the San Jose Ballet. Oh, sorry, not the San Jose Ballet. New Ballet School in San Jose. So it's ran by Dolly Rawson. It's th- we do the Nutcracker every year. There's two Nutcrackers. Ours is really good. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that, but you know <laughs> it is what it is. Um, ours is way better. So um, I'm on the board, and John Fry is a donor to the mm-hmm. to the ballet. Gotcha. And so I'm in downtown, and I had met him one time like before all this happened and I walk, he's wearing stripper socks, like stripper silhouette socks. Like, (laughs) and like I go up to him and I go, I didn't know who he was. I go, dude, like what's up with these socks? He goes, I like to indulge sometimes. I was like, all right, bro. (laughs) And then, and then, and then um, someone had whispered in my ears. Hey, do you know who that is? I was like, no, he goes, dude, that's like John Fry. I was like, who? He goes, Fry's electronics. I was like, oh, 
And then so and then so we're talking and he's like flexing on me like super hard. He goes, Yeah, I just sold my seven forty seven Boeing to like Manchester United or some crazy shit. Right. And I was like, All right, bro, cool. And then and, and then I go, So how do you feel about Amazon? <laughs> and then he looks at me. Is this before goes, or after he went out of business? Uh, no, no, this is like before. He goes, okay. he, he goes, he goes, Wow, you're funny. And he goes, he goes, honestly, I have to always say three cents behind Amazon. This is what he said to me, three cents behind Amazon. This was like three or four years ago. Wow. And so so he understood where he was at competing with Bezos, right? Mind you, both these guys are billionaires. Right. And so so I'm back up, I'm at the Capitol Club one day, and um, he goes, so I'm there having a meeting with the executive director, Dahlia, and she goes, oh, I have another meeting. Um, can we wrap it up? I said, cool, cool, cool. And so I'm sitting at the bar with my mentor, and we're just chatting, and then I hear some guy goes, hey, Mike, Mike. I look over and it's John Fry. Okay. And he goes, Hey, come here, let me talk to you. I was like, All right, what's up, man? He goes, And then Dolly goes, Oh, you guys have met? I was like, Yeah, Mr. Stripper Socks. I know who the fuck you are. <laughs> That's what I said. And he goes, He goes, He goes, uh, Do you play any golf? And I go, I mean, mind at the time, I am the shittiest golfer in the world. Have right you ever now. played? I did. I, I have clubs. I, I, I literally have my right, clubs so in my you, car right now. Having clubs doesn't okay. mean. <laughs> okay, but like, I'm not good. Like, I'm awful. I'm. I know how to swing. I know how to putt, right? My, my putting is all right. I can play golf. Like, I'm not good at golf. I'm not good. Yeah. I'm not good. I know enough to get... I, I always tell people, go. I'm the best person to go out with you because I'll make sure you have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, will, will the ball go into the water every time? Probably, but we're going to have fun. And then so he goes... Since and, and then so John goes, hey, do you want to come out and play with me on my course? And I was like, I'm thinking like court of all or some super nice course, right? And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Gives me a cell phone number, says, hey, just give me a call. And I said, okay. So um, I call and say, hey, John, it's Mike Lee, blah, blah, blah. He goes, hey, um, here's the address to my course. It's called the Institute. And I was like, okay. So my best friend is like pro golfer. I call him. I go, hey, bro, um, have you heard of this course called the Institute? He He's literally, in, he goes, he, he, he literally goes, hold on walks out of the meeting he's in and says, how the fuck are you playing at the Institute? You are the shittiest golfer. He's just blowing up my face. I don't know anything about this. So, 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 so if you're like really into golf, it's, it is the most exclusive course you can go to like almost in the world because it's owned by John Fry. He pays fees on it every year. And there's only like 10 rounds played a year on it. And he pays, it's his personal course. Where is this thing? It's so, Crazy. So Los Banos, it's covered by trees. The entire place is covered by so trees. It's in the middle you of the don't even, Valley. You don't even know it's there. It's just past Gilroy. Yeah. And you're just like, you don't even know this place is fucking there, right? And if you know, you know. Like, I've had people go, Mike, if you give me on that course again, I'll give you like 10 grand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like dude, like, I don't know. Right. And then so, 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 so he goes, he goes, dude, we got to play. So I'm literally warming up for like three days straight. <laughs> just to, like, you have diesel this course. Not to embarrass yourself. And so... So I pull up over there and it is, I pull up to like a broken down barn, right? Um, I literally pull up I, and I don't have a signal on my phone. I was like, I'm fucked, dude. Like, I don't know what these billionaires do. Like, it's over. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. It's over. So I pull this little green line and this guy comes, guy walks out in the rain, like out of the bushes goes, oh, are you Mike? I was like, yeah. He radios, hey, Mike Lee's here. I was like, all right, I guess I'm in the right place. So I pull up. Some guy comes and takes my clubs out my trunk, puts in a golf cart and just disappears, right? And he goes, he goes, all right, yeah, come up, come walk up with us, cool. And then so I get up there, it's me, um, John Fry, and then his head pro, the guy that runs the the golf place, and then another dude whose name's Jeff. And so 
I'm just, there's a golf range on the property. And I just go, I've never done this before in my life. Like, and I'm, and I go, okay. And I have a caddy. I've never had a caddy in my life. And, and then I was like, all right, cool, 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 whatever. And so we're going through, we're golfing and I'm playing like shit. So these guys start making, so these guys start making side bets where or not I'd putt and two putts or not. And they're just talking mad shit. Right. I was like, cool, whatever. Okay. And so we get to the ninth hole and he has a Michelin star chef make us food on the ninth hole. (laughs) And then she goes out and says, you know, you know, normally we do like filet mignon and lobster for the ninth hole, but John was in the mood for tacos. And then this guy goes, dude, these tacos are almost good as taco mania on Coleman. (laughs) I lost my shit. (laughs) He knows where that is. He knows where that is. I lost my shit. So going through that whole experience, it was just like, I've never experienced something like that in my life with someone who's worth so much. And then, but the thing is like, I just kind of talked to him. I was like, Hey, like, but every person I met that makes that kind of money is a little quirky. Like he's, he's a quirky guy. It's interesting. You said, I was just going to say kind of how wild that story is from start to finish. And the, Again, here in again in the Silicon Valley, there is a lot of wealth. There's a lot of wealth, and there's a lot of quirkiness here. That is for sure. Um, but the it, this all starts with you being. I'm, I, I don't want to let this one slip by. You being on the board for the Nutcracker. Like again, now we're going a completely yeah. different direction. And how you how you got into this? It's where did that, where does this come from? Man? So someone asked me, so, so Dolly was like, Mike, I think you'd be a great fit for, you know, we're trying to get more young people involved in like ballet and, you know, shows, things like that. I think you'd be a great fit. And I was like, I called my mentor. I said, dude, should I do it? And he gave me some advice and he said, fuck it, bro. Go for it. Like, why not? You know, it's interesting. I mean, it just seems so, so out there, but, but what an amazing thing to be a part of. I mean, so it's, there's arts, there's tech, there's lifestyle, you know, kind of going on all the time. And now the latest thing that I see you doing is you got a, you speaking of the lifestyle, you've got a clothing brand that you, you got going. Yeah. Like, talk about that. So, so people, people are going to be like, dude, this guy does a lot of fucking shit. Right. Well, so, that, that was my impression. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but here's my thing. So everything is calculated risk, right. And everything is, I don't do everything. I don't do everything myself and I don't do it alone. Right. So people come in ideas and I provide resources that I have to help move the thing forward. I don't like the nail salon. I don't run the day to day in the nail salon. Like I help put up money. I help with marketing stuff and I help put things together day to day. I don't run it. Right. Um, the cannabis company, we're all every partner's working hard to build it up to a point where I'm not always involved. Right. The only thing I'm directly involved in is like my sign business. Cause I've been doing that for however long. Um, and then now with this clothing brand since, so, so the reason why I started, so me, me and my buddy were talking, hanging out one day and, um, he was dating this girl who was like super toxic, like the most toxic girl. Like he said, he's ever been with. And he goes, dude, like, I'm just not toxic. Like I just, I just don't give a fuck enough to care. Like I'm just a not toxic person. And then he looks at me, goes, dude, we should put on a fucking shirt that we're not toxic. And I said, I mean, all right, let's do it. And then the the brand is born. The brand is born. And then the cool thing about this and the reason why I want to get into clothing was because I have a lot I know a lot of people and people can't necessarily support like my like business, right? 
Like you want to provide something where people can like be involved in and people can so, and show their support. So hold on, hold on a second. So you have all these people, but they can't necessarily support the particular businesses you're in, whether right. it be cannabis right. or whatever tech, or whatever. It's yeah. just not, I love you, Mike. And if you, if you were into this business over here, I'd eat at your restaurant every day. Right. You know, or, or whatever, but that's right. not the case. Okay. So I see where you're going with this. So, cause it's like, it's like, what can people, what's something that people do every day? Like they wear clothes, like they, they do certain things. And I was just kind of like, dude, like, like when he came to me with the idea and I said, let's just go. I said, I have a pretty decent following. I know some people like, let's just try it out. See where it goes. I'm always about, let's just try it out, you know, but put some money behind it, see where it goes. And this shit like blew up overnight. Like I was just like, all right, cool. Let's go. Like I just did a new order search before I got here, you know, and hoodies and everything. And I was just like, all right, cool. It worked out. Then what's, what's the next thing? Like, where do we take it? Like, so for me, I look at every business personally, I say it's worth my time. If in the first year I can make, you know, arbitrarily say a hundred thousand dollars the first year, if I don't make a hundred grand, cool, great. It was fun. Right. If I make it, then I say, okay, what more can we do? Right. And I'm not saying like net, I'm just saying like hitting that target, like hitting a six figure target. Right. And I just, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot. And, but I also know that if a new opportunity comes up, that's more that suits my skill set. like this will take a backseat. Right. And like, I have other people involved where they can just pick up where I left off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always teach somebody like, Hey, here's how we're doing it. Here's our vendors. Here's who we're doing this for. Here's our inventory list, like all this stuff. So if anything happens to me, like shit gets taken care of, you know? Um, but this was just really just to other people just be involved. Like, you know, that's the reason why you have red dot fitness. Right. Like, like, Hey, I want to rock red dot fitness stuff everywhere I right. go. You know what I'm saying? So that it makes sense. So that's a lot of shots that you have taken. You've been successful with. Tell me about a shot you took that, or that you didn't take that, uh, that you regret not taking. Oh, geez. They're probably watch this podcast. So, um, I had an opportunity, like I'm still involved with them, but I had an opportunity to be more financially involved in Nirvana Soul Coffee in downtown San Jose. Okay, coffee shop, um, yeah, well-known coffee so, shop here. So I helped, did I did all their signage. Um, I did a lot of other stuff with them when it comes to their like products. And we had an opportunity to invest and we, and we just didn't take the opportunity. Like me and my partner evaluated, we just didn't take the opportunity. Um, to me, I was like, dude, like I wish I could be more involved, right? There's an opportunity to be more involved and I didn't take it. I was kind of like, damn, I wish we had done it. Um, you know, but that, that was, that, that was like one of them, but other things it's like, you know, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's been a lot of failures that I've forgotten about just to get here to this day. Like I've made and lost a lot of money, like crypto plays, like everyone knows about the crypto plays. Mm-hmm. You're up, you know, a lot of money one day, the next day you're down you a lot of money. Hero you know, zero. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That one's a long play for sure. It's a long We're still, play. still yet to be seen how that all turns out. Yes. Right? Watching the market every day. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like, dude, like, like I've lost a lot. Like I've taken a lot of L's on projects just with people. Like my first company was, it, it was an L like we, we tried doing it. Me and me and a buddy, it didn't work out. You know? Yeah. So I was going to ask about that. Cause you have to, you have to fail to succeed. Yeah. It's just, part of the deal right i mean that's a little cliched now you know people talk about that all the time like your your next failure means your next success or or whatever you have to stack those enough of those before you get to the next the next success but what i hear you doing is you're taking risks on on people right 
and risks or opportunities, however you look at it. And they're small businesses. These are not necessarily massive businesses or massive projects. And you're able to stack those wins and you're putting it into, into those people of the, of the failures of the people that you may have invested in, in these, these different projects. Is there a common thread to why it didn't work? Um, yes. And people. So people who aren't willing to let go. Talk to me about that. So every business owner is this way. You can probably speak for it as well. It's, this is my baby. I don't want to change a damn thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want some fucking kid coming in here telling me like, Hey, they're switching up. Right. And then you realize that it takes change for you to grow. Right. You have to, you, we like to use the term young blood. Sometimes you need some young blood to get in there and really help you out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the young blood guys are are dumb and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. It's both sides. Um, And so the commonality is that people just hold on to their stuff for dear life. And they're like a captain singing with their ship, you know, and they just, they, they just don't want to lose what they have. Right. And so that's been the biggest commonality. Like even when I first got into um, coffee, I started a company called Mike's brews. Um, It wasn't a failure, but, we were, we initially were looking, we initially bought the business from somebody else, became partners. And we're like, dude, let's turn it around. Let's do coffee, do all this stuff. We were doing really well. We had good contracts, everything set up, but the owner wasn't willing to downsize. Right. Like if you look at the numbers, like one year ago, arbitrarily, you're making 10 grand a month. Right. And now rent has gone up and now you're only making five grand a month. Right. But your rent is six grand a month. Any person would say, hey, we need a pencil, downside. It doesn't pencil out. It doesn't pencil out, right? And then you still need to get paid. Like, it's just a bunch of stuff, you know, that that, that, that just like, didn't work out. Um, even in the, so we tried to get into the, into the talent space or like the recruiting space. We knew a lot of people that we could staff um, events for um, or trade shows. And we we're like, okay, we tried it. And then we looked at it. We go, dude, like, you get in this business, you're making $3 an hour. Right. Cause you're charging the client 25 and you're paying 22 or 20. Right. Right. You're like, okay. So to me, the money was too slow. My partner goes, dude, like the money's too slow. Like I, I don't like it. You know, it just doesn't make sense for us. Excuse me. And so like things like that, those commonalities, it's like people aren't wanting to look at the numbers and make decisions. Yep. There's a lot of emotion, right? Like I've, there's, when it comes to business now, growing up, when I, when I first, I say that like I'm old, right? Or older, right? Like, it's like growing, growing in business, I learned that emotions, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It could, it could help you win the battle and it could also kill you at the same time if you're too emotional situation. Cause when you make emotional decisions and not business decisions is when you lose. I've done it time and time and time and time again. Like I got involved with the manufacturing company. Like we were too emotional with them ended up losing a hundred grand, right? Just overnight gone. And it's just kind of like, okay, where can we learn? Where can we understand how things go? So, um, but every single time that we've, we've like lost or we've like a business didn't work out. It was people weren't willing to let go and try new things for change. And we, me and my partner were too invested in somebody. Like we trusted somebody too much. Mm. Right. Because um, this came up in a meeting a couple of days ago. It's nice guys get eaten alive in big business. Yep. Every time, man. Every time. You never win. You never win. Like, and, and, and you have to, there has to, you have to be willing to fight for something. Right. When you're nice, you get eaten alive. 
and every person will take advantage of you. Yeah, if you don't know how to set the boundary of the priority, there's going to be plenty of people that are willing to set it for you. A hundred percent. And they're going to. And, it, and it's in their favor. Yeah, 1,000%. You know so they're I already mean, they're already working that angle before you even know it if you're that guy. A hundred percent. So like like I've been a nice guy my whole life, right? And I didn't realize until the past year or excuse me, the past COVID, right? COVID really helped me realize that there were so many people that were taking advantage of me being nice and me being able to like put them in the right space where, you know, it really became a detriment. Good for them, but detrimental to me, you know? So that, that those are some of the commonalities and things that I realized, you know, over time. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned you kind of put the, the timestamp of code on there. I mean, let's be honest. There's so many things that have happened in the last couple of years, I think, that expose exactly what you're saying. You know, there's people holding on to things, um, whether that be their. Again, and it's, this is a tough one, but it could be their belief system, their social groups, their political affiliations, their jobs and things like whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a million things there um, and don't have the ability to let go. They just, they can't do it. It, it because in doing that would mean they'd have to go through some other type of emotion. Right. right? And they're, they're, they're kind of afraid of it. I wonder if, if you're seeing that in businesses cause you're involved in so many and you know, the businesses that are happening around you, the business, the businesses of the, the friends that you have the, the, all in the networks that you have, if they're struggling, the ones that are struggling. And if that's the reason they're struggling is this, this emotional kind of overload that's or lack of bandwidth, Yeah, you know, to be able to kind of put that in check. And if that's the thing that's, that's, that's driving business in a poor direction. Yeah. I mean, so I've learned a lot from, so Caffer's the guy that owns it. Yeah. It's like a dad to me. Right. So like I learned a lot from him and like, like to me, I go like as a consumer, you go, why are you raising my prices? For my burrito. I used to pay $5 a burrito. Now it's $8 and 99 sure, I think that's a natural, like initial right. emotional reaction. You know? But, but right. as a consumer, like, and like, like as a yeah. kid, I, I didn't understand like what it meant. And then as he started like giving me advice and coaching me and telling me like, Hey, like, you have to look at the whole thing. Like I still have to pay my employees. I still have to get paid. I have to do all this other stuff. It helped me understand like, you know, like you have to make these business decisions. Cause like, if you're a nice guy, oh, I'll leave my prices here, but you're going to run yourself, yourself out of business. Ground. That's what I'm saying. Put yourself out of business. And Caffro's even been in business, what, like 30 years, 25 years, something like that. Dude, dude knows what he's doing. Dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So again, these are simple, simple concepts that seem to get so lost kind of in translation we see people out there and you, you're wise beyond your years, man. I mean, it takes some, so it takes people a long, long time sometimes to figure that out. I've been in this business for a long Can time. Can I pour you some? Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Love you. Love you too. Thanks. The, I've seen people that have, that have 100% run themselves into the ground because they couldn't let go of whatever it was, whether that was the position that they had that they weren't qualified for anymore. It was too big for them or, <laughs> an employee that they couldn't let go because uh, you know, they had this relationship with or whatever else. And I kind of see that happening now. Uh, you know, you, you, we know a lot of the same people um, and it, and it makes me sad. And at the same time, I recognize how, how tough it is to make those, uh, those hard decisions. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is tough, but um, you know, you got to put on the business hat and you got to put on the business face. You got to move forward. Yeah. So you got this new, new, um, 
cannabis thing going. What's the next project after this, man? I mean, do you already see it happening? Real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I understand that like not all money needs to be fast. Some money you need to lock up, you know, and take care of it for your family. So like my next thing I want to do is either buy my mom, my sister a place. I'm so they're not worried about stuff. Um, and that's really like what my next play is. If I can get something local, but that's like the that's market's a, super hot. That's tough, man. The market is ridiculously hot. Um, but we're looking at stuff in Hanford. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we're looking at, you know, things out of state like Atlanta. Like mm-hmm. we're just looking at opportunity, right? Where where I have family, you know? Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, it takes a team and it's not just me that, that can take care of this project, right? It's people that I know and trust. Um, but yeah, real estate is the next thing, uh, whether it's residential or commercial, but real estate is the next thing we're getting into. You know, you, you, this all comes back to the network piece and knowing people and having experiences and knowing the right questions to ask or the right people to go to, to get your answers or or so forth. Um, and you're not an old guy. I mean, we've already kind of been through that, you know, again, wise beyond your years, but, but not old in age and things have been weird socially this last couple of years, just, you know, again, people from a a physical perspective, Mm -hmm. people aren't going out as much business has been closed and the discouragement of social gathering type, you know, events and and those kind of things. So what advice would you give to somebody who is listening to your story and go, that sounds like me, that's what I want to do. And I haven't been doing it and and I'm down this path right now. How do I start to build my network in today's climate? Right. And today's tech. And um, I guess what the advantages and the opportunities they have to build a network, I mean, because it it's it's free, doesn't cost money to do it. It So so how do you how do you how do you start, man? Um, So I'm going to give two sets of advice. I'm going to say pre COVID and this new age of post COVID. Well, not in post COVID, but like during the pandemic yeah right? it's never gonna it's, be that it's never gonna think. be post-covid i feel like i'm forever gonna wear a mask it's uh, the ground hunt literally <laughs> so pre-covid um the things that made the most sense right being out at networking events getting to know people and um the biggest thing about networking at networking events is knowing when to walk the fuck away from somebody yeah. right and don't waste your don't, time don't let them monopolize your time yeah exactly so understanding that right um don't be afraid to go out right like it's so funny. I had a friend who called me and he goes, he goes, Mike, like I will show you ways to make, you know, I'll, I'll show you how to understand the crypto market. If you can help me get outside and like get to meet new people, meet some people. Meet some people. I said, dude, just if I call you say, get up, let's go get up and go. It's a value exchange of skill it's, sets. It's a value exchange of skill sets. Like I wanted to learn something and he wanted to learn something. So um, I picked up from his house every day for like two months. I went out every weekend for like two months. I said, bro, all right, until you can drive yourself, we're comfortable, we're going. I was like, bro, we're going. I said, I would have done it for free, but, you know, since you're offering, right? But 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 understand that things like that do come up, but find a way to get out. That's why I said that. It's like, find a way. If it takes you to ask a friend who you know is always out, just ask. If someone is always out, like, just like me, it's like, if you ask me, hey, bro, what are you doing? Can I come out with you? Absolutely. Just pull up. We're here. Uh, and I'll make sure you have a good time. Um, pre COVID events, networking events, super important. Um, it doesn't have to be an event in your industry. It can be an event in any industry. Smart advice. Um, like, like, cause you don't want to limit yourself. Um, try and get in places where 
you probably shouldn't be in. Like, I love that. Like what? Like, so for example, um, I had a mentor who, like, I call her my corporate mom. I was in, um, I was at, I was at events once a year where it was like 500 of the biggest CEOs, Silicon Valley. They used to all come to this dinner and they used to basically fundraise and talk about things going on in the tech field. There was no fucking way you worked your, in this room. You worked in, you worked your way in the room. I found my way in the room. Right. And she goes, she goes, Mike, like, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get in. And I said, fuck it. Like I had finals the next day. I said, fuck my finals. I'm going to put myself in a situation. I love it. Uh, and like, I should not have been there. Um, but I learned a lot, right. From people and valuable, invaluable, invaluable. And so. I look at that and say, dude, like get in rooms where you probably shouldn't be in. Like, dude, if you sneak into somewhere, like um, this is probably the worst advice I'm going to give ever. But if you sneak into somewhere you shouldn't be in, you don't get caught and you learn a lot, it's worth it. You know what I'm saying? To like crash a wedding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, done that? I, I've always wanted to. I haven't that, done that's, any, that's on my to-do list. I hate weddings. Dude, I just, <laughs> I just, I just want to crash away. But the thing about me, it's like I have to crash the right wedding, right? Yeah. Like I can't crash like a fucking all white wedding girl. So I like stand out. Like I'll be like, Hey, uh, this guy, who are you? Who the fuck is this guy here? I, love that. I sound like a sore thumb. Um, you got to do, you gotta do your, your recon. Dude, I have to do my recon for walking up in there. So, uh, um, but yeah, I mean like I just have to, you know, like I, I would say get, get into these rooms. If there's an opportunity to come up, say yes. Like, yeah, I think the room is kind of metaphorical, right? It's just putting yourself in situations that you, wouldn't typically put yourself in or, or people don't hundred percent. You got to think outside the box, think right? outside the box. hundred percent. The room is way bigger than just an event, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's life, right? Put yourself in situations, take, take, take the job that you didn't expect, or maybe you, you don't know anything about, right? right? Learn the new skill, right? Yep. Be around people that are learning a new skill and something that you have zero, zero, uh, knowledge of right and just experiment what's the worst that's going to happen you hate it and you move on and the worst some some the worst thing someone can tell you is now right and you you wind up meeting a bunch of new people you had an experience a hundred percent you can you can look back on it yeah. yeah and like and like that's the other thing like don't be afraid of now that's like the that's like the worst thing someone can say to you and that goes for it goes for anything it goes for networking that goes for dating that goes for whatever like the worst thing someone's going to tell you is like no or sorry i'm not interested yeah it's interesting that's kind of like the the thing that people fear, I think we were talking about people in the failure, mm-hmm. like that word no or being rejected mm-hmm. is the same thing they're struggling with internally when they're not making the right decisions for their business mm-hmm. at the right time. They just don't know how to deal with that. Like once you learn to deal with rejection and understand that it's just yeah. a one door closed, another door opens, you become a monster. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just ready for anything. Like I have a lot of people tell me no. I say, okay, cool. Um, I'll just find someone's going to tell me yes. You know, um, another big thing for networking for like younger guys. So, and this works on both sides. So, um, there's a strategy that I came, well, not really, I came up with, but I realized is the fact that, especially if you're younger, um, college or even a couple of years out of college, LinkedIn is one of the most powerful tools out there. I think it's so underutilized. I'm, I was, I've been on it and off it, on it and off it. And it, every time I put a little bit of energy into it, I get a return on investment. And yeah. when I say that, it's the network grows, which is what it's there to do. But I also get reconnected with people that I hadn't been connected with in a long, long time, which mm. brings has brought so much value to me. 
and it's brought me business, like literally dollars and, and cents business. Sorry, I didn't jump in there. I just couldn't agree with you more. A hundred percent. And so like when, when the younger guys, like don't be afraid to ask or reach out to somebody who's in the space you want to get into. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in college and you see someone like went to San Jose state or like went to Stanford or went to wherever and you went there, you can just reach out and say, Hey, I saw this is interesting. Like I do an informational interview. I just want to learn more. No one is going to tell you no. If they tell you no, that person is an asshole. Right, yeah. Like, actually. I've never said no to one of those. You know those. what I'm saying? Like, someone yeah. goes, hey, you know what? Like, I just want to sit down and talk to you for, like, 15 minutes. I'll buy you coffee. People come by here all the time and do that. You know? That's yeah. what I'm saying. And, and then what do you say? Yeah, sure. Of course. And, and if you can't do it, say, you know, why don't you come back later? I've never had anybody ask me to do that and then me sit down and give them them time. And then at the end of that, them not go, thank you so much for doing that, which is all you really want to hear at the end. Mm-hmm. But then later on down the road, it comes back. Yeah. It almost always comes back in, in the positive. So every time. Yeah. Yeah. I, so going back to LinkedIn, I think it's, it's like one of the few people are spending so much time on fucking TikTok and, and, and Instagram or whatever. And there really is, that is a really real time. So like when you look at the time you've invested in it, what you really get back from that is, is nothing, particularly now if you're just getting started or if you're trying right. to build some type of professional you know, following on Instagram, it's almost dead. It's, it's, almost dead to a certain extent in terms of what you have to put into it to get something out. I mean, I, I, that could be, people could argue that with me, Yeah, but, but I, I, from an organic sort of growth perspective, LinkedIn still trumps, trumps a hundred percent from a growth perspective. It is like organic growth. It is the number one platform that I've seen. That's I guess that's where I was going with that. A hundred percent. No, you were right on the nose. Yeah. And, and it's keep it that way. Keep it professional is the other thing. It was what I see on like, don't take your Instagram shit and just recycle that on like to get somebody I've heard you say several times mentors, um, it, which is a, or a coach, get a coach, yeah. get somebody. I mean, there's, there's people out there. You can get that shit for free too, by the way. Yeah. Like you don't, it doesn't cost you anything to write yep. a, write a solid, you know, bio on, on Insta or uh, sorry on LinkedIn and, and the way things change that place, that thing changes too. So you need to be on top of it. Yeah. And there's a lot of resources for you to get mentors. Like there's a platform called mentor makers that like I've been a mentor on and it's free. You can be of any age. I've talked to people that are older than me and talk to people that are younger than me and they're asking me for advice in my field. And I just tell them what it is. I say, Hey, every call I say, I'm be honest with you. I have a sailor's mouth sometimes. And if that's not okay, please let me know. And I will try to turn it down. And I say, but I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to, if you, if what you're telling me is not a good idea, I will a hundred percent let you know that I don't think it's a good idea. Why? I don't think it's a good idea. And everyone respects that. They say, okay, cool. You're telling me from the rip. Okay, cool. Let's just go in, see what we can do and do it that way. Yeah. So it's, it's reaching out and trying to grow a hundred percent grow that way. Yeah. LinkedIn is LinkedIn is LinkedIn is a tool to do that. Instagram is great. Sorry to interrupt, Um, but, but Instagram is great. If Instagram is great socially, right? Like people want to see what it is that like you're about. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then you get validated based on the like things that like you have or have or have not. Right. Great example. Yeah, the comparisons. A hundred percent. So, so great, great example. So, um, I've been wanting my, my car that I bought since 2013 and I've talked about it all the time, every day. Like it's fantastic this, this car, is, man. this is, this is the shit that I want. Like I've wanted for so long. And then it came out this year and I decided to say, you know, I'm just going to buy it. And then I did it. And everyone was like, holy shit. I can't believe this guy actually did it. He talked about it for five years, six years. And he finally did it. You know, like everyone was going crazy. Um, and 
it validated what I was doing to people, right? I could have bought the car two years ago, right? But I was working and putting my money towards other things and trying to understand and learn and take risks. And like, if I lose it, great. If I don't lose it, great. I made a little bit more money. But like, you know, like people don't see that. People just see the end goal, right? People look at the watches I wear. They go, okay, cool. Like this guy's made it in life, like whatever. To me, I don't feel like I've made it in life. Like, am I doing well? Yes. But I don't feel like I, I hit that point where I'm like, damn, I finally made it. Yeah. I think that's a really good piece of, of advice there is that is, you know, in terms of setting the goals and not setting them too low you know, 100%. And, and or with this expectation that when I arrive at this particular point, I know I will have arrived. Um, I think it's dangerous because I think what it ends up doing is limiting, limiting people. You have to have goals, 100%. But, but this is the goal for now, knowing that when I get there, I need to reevaluate or it's likely I should be reevaluating that before I get there because I'm going to learn so many things and the failures and the successes and all that other stuff to, to where I'm, I'm setting that, 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 that new goal. But there isn't like a, there isn't an end game here. Right. As soon as you start thinking like that, then you start thinking things like backup plans and you know, all that other stuff. And it, it's going to limit you. Like complacency kills. Like the only time I have anxiety is when I'm, I feel like I'm not moving forward and I'm being complacent. Like, like just the other day, I was talking to my business partner. I said, dude, my anxiety is through the roof. He's like, why? It's like, dude, I feel like we're not moving. I wonder how many people feel that and don't realize why they're feeling it, feeling mm-hmm. that, you know, at this point. Um, and, or, you know, maybe at the point that they're at a your age in life. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know right away. I, I, I can't sit still. My brain doesn't shut off. It never does. Even when it never does. I mean, there's, there's good, there's bads, there's in between, there's all that other stuff. I, my, my brain's going all the time. I almost always feel that anxiousness mm-hmm. you know to be doing something i can't sit still i can't sit still either man I'm constantly do, but, oh, but, <laughs> but but i'll be damned I, I do struggle dealing with you know whether it's employees or clients or business in, in business you know whatever relationships that people are okay feeling that way yeah. and there's so i guess there's part of it that you have to know that not everybody's going to feel that way too um but this feel the same way or work work as hard as you are but uh i i that frustrates me and i feel like a whole new level of anxiety when i see somebody especially when i recognize they have so much more potential and they're not utilizing it the way they could they could use it so and some really great advice there for the young entrepreneur and you know having you kind of walk through sort of your experiences how you got here the the rough start Right. And the decisions you had to make um, and the things that you've, you've done that might sound a little unconventional and sort of the mindset of the attitude you had towards certain certain periods that people put so much weight in, whether it be academics or yeah. those are th- those are important things. They're, yeah. But they aren't the they aren't the end. end all, yeah. And, and I knew I was going to get some of that stuff from you today. I mean, I knew I was going to have um, a good conversation because of what I already knew about you. But. I think there's some stuff to glean there for business owners, business leaders, and soon to be or want to be, you know, business, business leaders. And even those that aren't really sure yet, like the students out there, particularly that are in this really fucking weird time. I, I feel so bad for kids that started college in this last couple of years yeah, or were even me so sad. midway through, you know, and we're just trying to get the college experience and we're almost graduated and moving on, you know, ready to move on. And 
now they're in this, like the whole thing has changed. Everything right. they'd been told up until that point. But I think what you, you know, has, has just been kind of flipped on its head and they're maybe wondering what to do. Provide some pretty, pretty solid insight. It's a lot of things that you can do. And one of the things that I took away there was not being afraid to take risks. Yeah. Like, like, like I don't really tell a lot of people about all the businesses that I'm involved in. Right. Because everyone, everyone lives by this mindset of focus on one fucking thing and do it extremely fucking well. Yeah. Right. And then just do that the rest of your life. Right. Right. I am focused on the one thing I do very well. People. I, it's people. That right. is my thing. I do it very well. I focus on that every single day of my life. Like my phone does not stop ringing. Like, right. you know, like, like, and, and, and it gets me, you can tell I get so excited. Like I just love people. Right. It has nothing to do with people say, like I said, like, Oh Mike, you're doing this. You're doing too much of this. You're doing too much of that. I'm like, dude, but like, I feel this is my calling. You know, I don't feel like I know this is my calling. It's to work with people and, provide them with the resources and network that I have to help move them forward because not everyone can be out and about and do these social experiments and be in these rooms and do all this stuff. Like I feel like I have the opportunity to support people and helping them change the course of their environment or change the course of their business, change the course wherever. And that's why I get involved in so many different things because I get to see and understand like, okay, cool. I look at this differently, but I don't know this answer. Well, let's ask someone else who doesn't know the answer. Right, right. Right. Or I don't know this person, but I know someone who knows that person. Right. Great example. Last time I'm in the gym, I'm working out. Sam Licardo, San Jose mayor is right. on the bench. Right. <laughs> He's about to drop his weight. I walk over and I go, yo, Sam, 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 it's all good, bro. He, he looks at me and goes, oh, he goes, oh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. The girl next to me goes, how the fuck do you know the mayor? <laughs> I thought you were the mayor. I thought you were the mayor. <laughs> it was so funny. But, but I look at that. I was like, dude, like all different environments, you know, like, and, and I treat the mayor the same as I treat my friends. I I treat you the same way I treat my like sister, you know, like I just, you know, and and like, I, I look at, I look at, I look at everyone in the same, in the same ecosystem, you know, like, like when I say like my sister, I say, I would treat, I'm treating you like family. I'm having a discussion with you. We're talking about real shit. We're getting down to the issue. We're getting down to things and people just get too caught up in just, themselves and or taking sides and feeling like they have to focus on one thing or be in this camp or subscribe to this particular position or whatever people are allowed to have their own thought process people are allowed to make their own Mm. decisions people are allowed to make their own beliefs like when politics come up i try and dodge politics because it's the fast way to lose your friends because they feel some type of way about one thing and you know like you feel some way about other thing you're like fuck you i hate you like dude like it's it's dumb you're dividing yourself like I have friends who are big on one side and I have friends who are big on the other side. And I just, I love them both the same. Like we have a conversation, we talk about it, like, and we push it on and keep moving. Let's go watch the game. You right. know? Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of people, uh, worldwide that could take that advice, I think, Dude, and, and, 100%. and try to work a little harder on it. Uh, it, you, you mentioned calling, but it's also a gift, man. It, it is a gift. And, and, uh, it's the best part about the fact that you have the gift is that you're using the gift. And that's uh, that's what fires me up. You know, yeah. when people recognize, you know, what they've been given and, you know, at the same time, not, not when I say take advantage of it, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, leverage it to do good things. And uh, that's what you're doing, man. And that's how we got connected or, yeah. you know, through that network. I, I, I imagine there's people that, you know, you mentioned, Instagram. I know you're on Instagram. People can find you there. You mentioned you're on Instagram. I know you're on LinkedIn. People can find you there. 
But if somebody wants to reach out and chat with you, you know, or, uh, you know, just get to know you or be part of, you know, get a little mic in their life. Get a little mic in yeah, their how life. Do they, how, do they, um, how do they find you, man? Instagram is go? the best way. Yeah. Um, at it's Mike Lee, at ITS, Mike, M-I-K-E-L-E-E. I'm the first search person, hopefully. Um, and you just get to see a piece of my life. Like, I, when I do Instagram, I do it raw. Like, I have clients that follow me on Instagram. Like, if you follow me, like, last weekend, we did a crazy, not toxic shoot at Nova Club in downtown San Jose, popping bottles, going crazy. And then the next day, I'm talking about, like, you know, business-related stuff or, you know, whatever's going on in my life. Like, I keep, I'm the same person on and off the court, right? right? Like, you talk to me here, same person you can see on Instagram, the same person you're going to see if you see me outside. It's refreshing. You know, like, you, I, I, I like to be authentic. Like, it's my thing. It's authenticity. So if you want, that's the best way to catch me and see what I'm doing. I post too often every day. Um, uh, but yeah, and then LinkedIn, Mike Lee, like it's, I branded it that way. So you can search Mike Lee on most platforms, Instagram. It's Mike Lee on most platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I'm not a TikTok guy. I, I can't do all the dance things, you know what I'm saying? But, okay. you know, it's, that's the best way to get hold of me. Right on, man. I, you know, reach out, touch base with Mike. Uh, guaranteed it's a good time. Every time. I appreciate you coming down, Thank man. You. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to do this again. Like we're we'll have to turn the turn the mics off and take the phones off and, and hang out. Oh dude, I'm always down. <laughs> I'm always down. Good, let's do it. Cool. Sweet. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.